You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. The scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. We believe it. Let's pray. You can have a seat. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray that today as we look at this, God, that we would take any preconceived thoughts that we have about your word, any thoughts we have about this passage, and God, that we would just submit it all to you and say, Father, teach us, convict us, move us into repentance if we need to, and call us into deeper faith and trust in what your word tells us. And so, Father, we just pray these things. We trust your word. We trust who you are and your goodness and faithfulness and your name. Amen. In 2012, I was a student at a university, Liberty University in Central Virginia. I grew up in Georgia, but moved there to go to college And while I was there, there was a time that I learned about missional communities. It was in 2012. It was the first time that I heard this phrase, missional communities, and it resonated with me deeply. I grew up in a Baptist church where it felt like there was one pastor and every, and everyone else. If you wanted to, if you wanted to bring some friends where, you know, encouraged to share the gospel with them, it was always encouraged, bring them to the pastor because the pastor's going to share the gospel with them. And when I learned about missional communities, it was more about, uh, we're actually going to be on mission to our neighbors or we're going to be on mission to a specific people to see them experience the grace and love of Jesus. It resonated me in a deep way. And, and as I read the scriptures over and over and over, this is what I saw. I didn't see a, a one, you didn't see Jesus just going and preaching on mountainsides alone. He went to people with his disciples on mission and it res- resonated with me so deeply. And by the way, if you're new to our church, a missional community is simply a group of 10 to 20 people who are practicing the way of Jesus because we're disciples, together because we're family, and in Paragold and beyond because we are missionaries. That's what a missional community is. And over the next few years from that time, from 2012, um, some of my friends and I started a missional community. We tried to be on mission in our neighborhood. We had a specific uh, neighborhood that we were just trying to reach, so we would go knock on doors, invite them to cookouts trying to live out what I saw in Scripture. And we failed over and over and over. I'm not saying this to kind of bring some bragging, but I'm just saying that the reality is I desired to see this so much that we started reorienting our lives around this. I met my wife during this time, and in 2015, we got married. And five months later, we felt God sending us to southwest Mexico. Wasn't the plan. We were going to stay in Virginia, pay off student loans. You guys have resonate with that, paying off student loans. And so we felt God saying, go, like 
you're on mission here in Virginia, but I'm calling you to go to a different place. And so we moved to southwest Mexico in the state, a state called Oaxaca. And we were teachers at a school there. And we used, we were just normal people. There was nothing glamorous about us. And we, it was a normal job. I was a teacher in a school, 8 o'clock to 3 p.m., and I had students that I taught. And so it was just a normal job, just like you have a normal job. We were broken people and often failed in our pursuit of Jesus, yet God still worked, was working in and through us. After four years in Mexico, we felt God calling us back uh, to the United States. We weren't sure where. And in October of 2020, I heard this podcast. Uh, it was called the Saturate Podcast. And this guy with a real deep southern accent was speaking. It was Jared Pickney. I, <laughs> I learned about this. And I learned about this church in northeast Arkansas. I reached out to Jared that month. And we began a conversation where my wife and I just felt compelled to be a part of a church of missional communities. And in July of last year, literally just a year ago, we moved here. Not to come on staff at the church, but to be a part of this church. And so I got a job at Arkansas State for a period of time, and my wife was working remotely. And so we uh, just wanted to be a part of this church. It's just a passion that we had to see uh, see a church grow up in Christ together through missional communities. And I'll say all, all of this. Like, missional communities, it is not like... This phrase, missional community, that's not the goal. It's being with Jesus together as a family on mission. That's the context that Jesus used to form his disciples by his spirit. And that's what we believe we're called to here. This is not just another program of the church, but the program of this church. Missional communities are the place where our elders and staff believe that you will be formed and discipled as followers of Jesus. Two weeks ago, Luke talked about what it meant to practice the way of Jesus because we're disciples he talked about the importance of being with Jesus. Last week, Chris talked about the importance of being together as family and just living as family because we're, this is a new identity that we're born into. You're my brothers and sisters, so we are a new family in Christ. And today, I'm going to talk about the importance of going beyond the walls of this church into the city and beyond as missionaries. And as we move along here, I just want to ask this question. Do we have any Marvel fans in this, in this building? All right. Marvel fans, I love Marvel movies. This is, uh, I love it so much that I just, I love the, the stories, the, the heroes. And in, in Mexico, we, we were in Mexico when COVID hit. And so we couldn't go anywhere. And so we started a movie marathon. We watched all the Marvel movies from the start all the way to the end. Uh, it was a lot of time. It, I think at that time it was like 18 movies. So, you know, it was just, one day we do it and go to the next and do it and continue in that way. Um, but one thing that I love about these movies is the scenes after the credits. You guys know what I'm talking about if you're Marvel? And so what, what it's formed to me is like this reality. When I watch a movie, I always wait to the end of the credits because I think something's going to come. And nothing ever comes, right? Because it's only a Marvel thing. And so at the end of the movie, there's this Marvel trademark it's a precursor that forms the next movie. It's, it's this story that's saying, this is what's next. This is what's happening next. The last scene shows us the next part of the story and where it's going to take us. And I say all of that to say that the words we just read were the last words that Jesus had to his disciples before sent into heaven. It's that same idea that these are the last things that he wants to say. So Jesus calls them to himself on a mountain. 
and gives them the biggest mission of their life. Jesus is showing his disciples the next part of the story. Like, this is where we're headed. Yet, before he gives them this mission, how do the disciples respond to this? Like, they, they call him, Jesus is calling them to, to this mountain, and how do they respond? Let's read verse 16 and 17 again. And it says in verse 16, Matthew 28, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. They worshipped and doubted. That is the response they had. Now the Greek word for this doubt is not unbelief. Right? If you think of doubt, you might think of unbelief. Rather, the word used there in Greek is hesitated. Like there's this hesitation of like, uh, I'm not, I don't necessarily don't believe Jesus that you're real, but I'm kind of hesitant of what you're about to call me to. And the only other time that this is used in the scripture in the New Testament is when Peter goes on and sees Jesus in the in the in the water, and then Jesus and then Peter began to walk in water, but he began to sink. Peter says, "Lord, save me." Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and asked, "Why do you doubt?" Which the word for that again? Why do you hesitate? Like, why did you hesitate? What, were, what was going on in your heart that kind of stopped you from believing? And so, maybe some of you in this room have this kind of doubt as we talk about missional communities. Maybe you feel kind of this hesitation of like, I don't know if I need to commit to this because I don't know how much it's going to call me to. It seems like a lot to commit my, my time to and others in community and share what's going deeply in my life, Daniel. Or I've had a bad experience in community with others, and so I don't, I don't want to go there. See, this same thing is what we experience, and it's not just, it's, it's myself. This same fear and hesitancy could be true for a lot of us today. The disciples weren't doubting this was Jesus. They were hesitating, and what, he's, what is he going to call me to? Can you guys relate to that? This is why missional communities are so important. It's a place that our hearts get exposed of false belief and move, move towards true belief in Jesus daily. A couple of weeks ago, I went to the jump park uh, in Jonesboro, and I, I have a, think I have a picture of my daughter here. And if any of you know my daughter, she's very, very shy and timid. And so she'll be running around, but if you come up to her, she'll just kind of sit like this and look down. And we went to this jump park, and immediately... We put her socks on and she just goes. Like this is not her at all. She's just running all over the place. And we went to this section in this park where, where she's just, she wanted to jump. Now she wouldn't jump without me. So I'm there on the front and she just jumps off into that, into that area. But this, she has this same kind of hesitancy. She's like, do I jump? Like I know it doesn't hurt me, but I'm, I'm still kind of hesitant. Like, I don't know what this will mean if I jump here. Will dad catch me or will I just fall and hit here? And is it going to hurt? She needed me to encourage her to be here for her, to cheer her on, to show her that I will help her with the big jump. This is what missional communities are. It's this place where you can feel comforted and loved and supported and say, I'm with you in this life. Just like Eliana right there is, is ready. She's walking across by herself and ready to jump into my arms because she knows that I'm here for her. And that good news what is Jesus' response to his disciples? So they say some worship, or it says they worship and then some doubted. What does he respond? He calls them to mission. He's not like, 
all right, because you're doubting, I'm not going to call you to this. But he calls them to mission, to rely on the Holy Spirit. This call was not just for the disciples then, but to any follower of Jesus that would come. This commandment is for you and for me. It's not for the super spiritual, every, every, every person who has everything together, but every Christ follower that's broken. If this commandment is for us, then it's important that we answer three questions in regards to God's mission. First, what is it? What is God's mission? What is he calling, calling us to? Secondly, how do we live out this mission? Like, what is the practical way from the life of Jesus that we're called to live this out? And third, where do we live out this mission? So first, what is God's mission? God's mission is simply go and make disciples of all nations. So let's read this again. This is verse 18 and 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just stop there as you see that those verses. Before he tells them this is the mission. <coughs> excuse me. Before he tells them the mission, look what he says. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This is beautiful. He doesn't just say, go out of your own power and your strength and go do these things. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. What does that mean? That he has all authority. It means that everything you can see and touch, Jesus says, I'm over it. Christ is king. He says, I have authority over your body, what you do with it, what you watch, your career, how you live, where you go. If he doesn't have authority over every part of your life, then what he says next doesn't matter. But the reality that God has full authority over everything, and with that, he says, go and make disciples. Everything in our lives is up for grab. You guys believe that? You believe in your life, like, God, I'm surrendered to you wherever you want to send me, wherever you want to take me. My life is up for grab because you have authority over everything on heaven and earth. And out of that identity, this is who God is. He has authority. This is what he does. He has authority over heaven and earth. He commands us to go. And I want to just focus on that word go. That go is like a sending word. It is to move out of your comforts and make disciples. The command to go means that you are sent. That we're sent. Meaning you are a sent missionary. Go to into this world, into this place right now. And that means there's a lot of different implications to that. In 2016, when my wife came, I was working. She told me, she went to this job fair and she told me, she, I got this job offer. I was like, great. Where's it at? How much does it pay? She's like, it's down south. I was like, what are you talking about? It's down south. And she said, it's in Mexico. And I said, Okay, um, she's like, I think we need to go. And I remember asking her, uh, where is it at in Mexico? She said, I don't know. Uh, how much does it pay? I don't know. Uh, how long are we, how, how long is the contract? I don't know. We just need to go. And I remember that feeling in that time of like being so uncomfortable, like re just realizing like my, my deep uncomfort to just surrender everything to, to Jesus. And a, and a few weeks go by, and like God, through his spirit, softened my heart, and we felt like God was leading us to move. 
one of the most uncomfortable things that happened to me in Mexico is uh, we had our cell phones, but we had to get credit on our cell phones. So I have to go to this place. It's called OXO. I don't have a picture of this, but OXO is the is a convenience store. And where we live, there's no AC, there's no air conditioning except in two buildings. The grocery store, it's kind of like Walmart, except not as nice. And then the other one called OXO, it is a convenience store. It's like a 7-Eleven. And we'd have to go in there. It had air conditioning, so we'd love to go in there. But we would go in there, and I had to tell the person at the register, here's my phone number in Spanish to get credit for a month. You talk about uncomfort, not knowing how to speak a language and go to this person and just feel fully humiliated. Like, this is what I'm talking about. When God says go, he says go in uncomfort so that you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I just want to ask this, like, and, and this is to myself, but when is the last time that you were uncomfortable where you had to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit? When Jesus says go, he's calling to move out of our comfort. This this movement, like there's, there's a movement when he says go. It is not stay in your seats. Mission is deeply tied to your faith in Jesus. You cannot separate it. It is the core of who you are. And I say that because Matthew 4.19 says this. Jesus says, come follow me. And when you follow Jesus, what's the response? In Matthew 4.19 it says, Jesus says, come follow me and I will send you to fish for people. The response for following Jesus is that you will be sent to live differently. Henry Martin it was this missionary in the early 1800s, and he says the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of missions. The nearer we get to Him, the more intensely missionary we become. Why? Because God is a missionary God. From the very beginning of time, God was on a pursuit of people. And God, God called Abraham, and He, he told Abraham, here's, here's a covenant, and through all the nations you will be blessed. Like God is sending people out so that others experience the deep, deep joy and true love of Jesus. Secondly, it's not just the command. Yes, God says, Jesus says, go and make disciples, but it's also an identity. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, you are a new creation if you're in Christ. The old has passed and the new has come. And look at verse 20. Therefore... Out of what Christ has done in you, your new creation, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is an identity. It's not just you, a commandment to go, but you have a new identity. You are a sent person. I don't have this text up, but if you want to take notes here, John 20, 21 and 22, Jesus says, as I've been sent by God the Father, now I send you. And he breathes on them with the Holy Spirit and he says, you go. Like you are a missionary. It's an identity. It's not just a command, but this is who you are. You are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you have a new identity as a missionary. You are a sent one to live differently. Jesus, like I just said, Jesus is not giving you a new commandment, but a new identity. And your new identity informs how you live. Growing up, my last name is McDonald. So I grew up in the McDonald household. So we did things together as a family. You guys have traditions as a family. We did certain things. We played board games and card games together. We went on vacation often together. 
we ate together at the dinner table, had conversations around our days. Um, we had certain traditions. Because I grew up like this, we did things a certain way. Look people in the eye. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, no, ma'am. Right? If I didn't do that, I would get all kind of trouble. Anybody relate to that? And so my question for us is, how do you relate? Like, how do you, if you saw yourself as a missionary, how would you live? Like, you're not just who you are is, it, is your name, but you're a missionary. And so if you're a missionary, how would you live? How would you view yourself? What would you, what would you do if you saw that you were a missionary to the people in your neighborhood, at your job, at the places you frequent? What questions would you ask? How would this thinking reorient how you spent your time and your resources? How would that shift the way that you live? Being a missionary changes the way that you live. I say all this as I, as we lived in Mexico, we just normal jobs. But when we came back, it reoriented. I had to learn all kind of things like how to speak this language. What was the culture like? They, they have parties all the time. There was a one-year-old birthday party within two weeks of us moving there. It started at 8 p.m. and did not end until 2 a.m. This is a one-year-old birthday party. Talking about parties, right? This is their value. This is what they valued. But if we saw ourselves as missionaries here, how would we start to think? Like, what do they value here in, in this neighborhood or this specific people group? What do they value? The second question that we want to answer is, how do we live out this mission? If God is calling us to go and make disciples, this is a command. It's an identity. How do we live this out? To answer this question... We have to remember what a disciple is and what discipleship is. And what Luke talked about a few weeks ago is a disciple is simply a follower of Jesus who increasingly becomes more like him in every area of life. And discipleship is essentially the process that's going to help you do that. Then the question we ask is like, what's the best form of discipleship? Is it one-on-one? Is it a week-long class that you attend? Is it a one-time Bible study that you do? Is that how you're going to make disciples? And I just implore you guys to think about the life of Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus, the way that Jesus made disciples was through life on life, life in community, and life on mission. It wasn't a one-day event or a class. It was through the normal stuff of life. So how do we go and make disciples of all nations? We believe it's through these missional communities where you live life on life, life in community, and life on mission. I just want to say briefly a word about each of these. So life on life is life that is lived up so close and personal that we're visible and accessible to one another so that others can gently peel back the layers and join in our restoration. Have you guys ever felt like this where you've like, there's certain things peeled back in your marriage or raising kids? Man, I can tell you as we have a, uh, a two-month-old and a two-year-old, and I'm constantly revealing my brokenness every single day, right? That's what life on life is. But it's not just with your personal family. It's with each other. We're called to be brothers and sisters as family. And so that means we live life so close that I invite someone to speak into my life, that I welcomely say, I need you to speak in my life so that I become more like Jesus. Life on life in community. Jesus discipled his followers while they experienced life together in community. It is a community thing. You need the body of Christ to form you. So it, it can't be in this building, but it's got to be in a missional community where you're close enough, where you see people that are different than you, that 
have different perspectives of you, and it's through the, that time together that you're going to be formed. Not only are, are you called to life on life, life in community, but life on mission. This is the way that Jesus called his disciples to live. This is what the disciples did. They listened, they watched, they learned in the everyday stuff of life. And after a while, Jesus invited them to share in some of the work he was doing. Sure, they messed up all the time. But he was there to train them, to equip them, to help them, to correct them while they were on mission. Mission forms you. Has anyone in here, if you've ever been on an international mission trip, and you're like, it, you show the depths of your need and your, and your need for Jesus. A couple years ago, my wife and I, as teachers, we were building a relationship with a student. His name was Keen. And, uh, and we had a, uh, just a friend with, with his mom, who was a single mom. Her name was Emmy. And we got invited to a jazz festival. Now, this is not your normal kind of jazz festival. I don't, this was, uh, people were on a, on a different world, if you know what I mean. So like, this was, this was pretty wild place. And my wife and I go, cause we're like, we were invited. So we want to become like, we want to just get relationally close. We want to be on mission together, my wife and I, so that we can have a relationship. And we were super uncomfortable. There was times I was like, uh, I don't know what's going on over there, but I think we need to leave. Um, we ended up staying long enough. And then as we left, on our drive home, we had an opportunity, and she just asked us, why do you live the way that you do? It was a question we were asked. It's like, open up for a home run, right? To be able to share our story of how God has changed us and restored us. And it was through this life on mission where we get out of our comforts and we're exposed to our deep need of Jesus that we rely on his spirit to work. Man, like, I just encourage you guys and myself this is, this is not just to you guys, but to myself, to live a life on mission where you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Last question I want to ask is, where does this mission take place? Where does this take place? Acts 1.8, this is also some of the last words that Jesus says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, essentially ambassadors, in Jerusalem in, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowers you to be a missionary. Steve Garver, he's an author. He says this, belief in the priesthood of all believers means giving dignity to the butcher, to the baker, to the candlestick maker, praying for them like you would a missionary sent to Papua New Guinea. When's the last time, like family, like this is it. If we are the body of Christ, then you are a sent missionary, and we should pray for you in your workplace like we would a missionary in a different country. So where does this mission take place? Jesus says in Jerusalem, which is where they were. Jerusalem is hyper-local. It's your everyday mission. Jesus calls us to be faithful witnesses through his power and the normal everyday stuff. This can be called reactive mission. This is as you go into your workplaces, on your walks in your neighborhood, the same restaurants and coffee shops, soccer, soccer fields, you are sent. This is the normal every day. Then he says, Judea and Samaria. This would be regional. This would be areas that's not exactly there, but this is to be missionaries for us in NEA, Northeast Arkansas. This is proactive mission. Like Jesus sent them proactively to a specific group of people. We pray, plan, and eagerly seek others to come and know Jesus. 
And the reason I say this, and you, and you can see this, is that they sent, Jesus sent these disciples to a specific place that was not like them. And the reason that mission is not just reactive, but it's proactive, meaning we need to commit to a specific group of people, is because Jesus sent them to Samaria. Do you guys remember Samaria? The woman at the well where the Jews were like, we're not going anywhere near there. Jesus says, you're going to be a sent one to the people that you don't normally interact with. And so Jesus sends us to those places. He's reminding his followers to seek the hated, the rejected, the broken, the outcast, as well as those you encounter on a daily basis because you were once that. And then he says, to the ends of the earth, God is calling all people to invest our time, resources, and treasures to the ends of the earth, globally. As a church, we give several of our resources to missionaries internationally and other opportunities like that. And there'll be a few more weeks, in a few more weeks, there'll be another opportunity for this. But just as we give a summary of all of this, the command and calling for our church God is sending us to make disciples of all nations. This is our command. It's an identity. The way that God intends for his people to live and thrive as disciples of Jesus is in the context of a community. Growing the gospel and on mission together. That is life on life, life community, life on mission. And lastly, we do this in the everyday, proactively in our city through missional communities to the ends of the earth. And I just want to stop there and just say... Does that sound a little overwhelming? Like, does that feel like, man, that's a lot. Like, that seems too much. Does fear and doubt come up as you heard the command of Jesus? Maybe you have that kind of doubt of that hesitancy to jump in community because you've been hurt in the past. And I just want to tell you guys, as I've prepared this message, I've felt so inadequate because I just think to myself, I'm not, I'm not living this out in the everyday like I want to. But I see the command of Jesus and I'm like, God, I want to. Like, create in me a desire and, and, and help me live on mission to my, to my neighbors and to the city. And help our missional community be on mission to the college students that we want to connect with. Yet, the best news that I can hear is at the end of Matthew 28, through 20, 28 verse 20. And this is what it says. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Man, isn't that good news? Like here's the command of Jesus. Like go and do all these things. But then he says, here's the treasure. I am with you. Here's the goal. I'm with you. This goes back to what Luke preached about a couple weeks ago. Just be with Jesus. This is the treasure. His response to our fear, hesitation, and doubt is himself. Man, he just says, like, abide in me. Like, find treasure in me. And out of that, you will pursue others because I have pursued you. Jesus says he has all authority and promises to be with us and join him on his mission. Guys, listen, this is great news because you can pursue others because God has so freely pursued you. And he desires that you find Christ as your, your truest treasure. And that's why he says, I'm with you, because that is the treasure, right? You don't do mission to, to, to receive from Christ. You do mission because you have received deeply in Christ. 
And as we, as we close our time, as the band comes back up, I want to close with this picture. This was in 2020. This is, uh, the Euro Championship of 2020. There's a soccer player. His name's Bukayu Saka. He is one of the best, uh, young soccer players currently. And England was pay- playing Italy. And in, in the penalties, this player, number 25, missed the penalty, the, the losing shot. He was a teenager at this time, 18. He lost the shot. Yet his manager embraces him at the end of this loss. Look at that picture. Beautiful. And this author wrote this about, about this. Her name's Sarah Yardley. She saw this picture and she wrote this. I wonder if there's any image more beautiful than the embrace of the one who trains, equips, and releases you, and when you fail, still embraces you and reminds you that your value comes from who you are, not what you did. Man, imagine that. That Jesus embraces you, equips you, and even when you fail on mission, he's still there, embracing you. As we close, if you're not yet following Jesus, I want you to know that God has been pursuing you. Like he is in pursuit of you. From the very beginning of time, he loves and he pursues you. He wants you to experience his deep, deep love. He's fully worth it. He's the ultimate treasure. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, you are a missionary sent with his spirit to share the good news with intentionality and courage because he has all authority. He is with you to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, thank you. God, thank you that you're with us. God, even now as I think about all my failings, all my inadequacies, God, you're, the, the good news is that you're here with me. And your spirit empowers. And you've done everything on my behalf. That there's nothing I can earn or give to find you to have deeper love with you. You have given everything and has called me your, your son. And so God, I just pray that, that as we sing, that you would, God, just create in us a deep, deep gratitude for you, that we would worship because of all that you've done for us, and then we would go out of these doors with a passion to see many come experience your deep love. We pray these things in your name. Amen.